anyone out there is looking to work in the creative industry, you should know about Creative Circle. Creative Circle was named the nation's largest creative staffing agency in 2015 and connects thousands of creatives with top brands across the country every day. It never hurts to have a whole staff of people looking out for you when you're looking for your next job. Go to creativecircle.com to learn more. Hey, everybody, this is Jeff Stevens, and this is the Creative Stick Up. Jen Ertley and I are here today, and we are excited to welcome John Maurice, who is a partner in No Coast Originals. He will be the second badass of our badass series, and John certainly fulfilled that role today. You know John from producing such hits as Fast and Loud, Resale Royalty. He has a new show coming out on Velocity called Speed is the New Black, and we're going to talk about that. John and I have known each other for a long time. We uh, go back and talk about that and sort of talk through his evolution to becoming one of the premier creatives here in this town um, and how he went from uh, Zipatoni to uh, all the agency work and brands and now doing this fantastically interesting business of creating reality television shows and, and amazing branded content. So please enjoy our conversation with one of my favorite guys, John Maurice. Yeah, well, we're just rolling. But I, yeah, I would say it's it's as an intro, as my little thing, there's not too many people in the creative business who I'm like, oh, badasses, you know, because we're all creatives think we're better than the other creatives. At the end of the day, our ideas are, you know, that's just the way you got to kind of be. But I've always thought John was just this amazing creative. So I'm, and sitting down with John for this podcast, I, I don't know if this, John's like the... <laughs> I can't believe you talked me into this. That's exactly how I feel, Jeff. <laughs> yes. You why, broke me. Why am I here to talk about this crap? Well, it, we it, lured him with Jimmy John's. Yeah, we did. So that's oh. why he's here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's and like one napkin. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like comedians uh, trying to talk about what's funny. There's some comedians that's like, I, we're not talking about that. We're yeah. just, we write jokes and that's it. But uh, I, I wanted to have you on because I know you've got a new show out and let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this new show. It's on no. Discovery Network Velocity Channel. Okay. It's called Speed is the New Black. Yep. Uh, it's an automotive-based show, very high-end builds, uh, starring a guy that lives here in St. Louis. It's filmed in St. Louis. It's produced in St. Louis. Uh, super excited about it. Anytime we can do something in St. Louis, uh, obviously shining a light on the city. Our, our brand is NoCo, so when we can bring it back to Missouri. It's extra special for us. Uh, it's a pretty big order. It's eight episodes. It's going to be on air mid-March, I think. We're okay. still in production right now. But uh, what's going to be good about it from a St. Louis standpoint, or one of the things that's going to be good is we're uh, going to do a lot of drive scenes. So we're going to be featuring a lot of, we're going to be at the Speedway in Illinois. We're going to be driving down by the Arch. Uh, we're going to be doing some uh, racing in North St. Louis, just just different pieces yeah. that sort of tie the city to the drive and the build. So it should be great. That's awesome. Like uh, Hall Street drag racing? Exactly, Hall Street. Wow. What kind of cars? Everything from hot rods to European exotics to um, to really, uh, it's, it's, it's a really good mix of vehicles. And 
really the only mandatory is that at the end of the day, they're high performance, they go super fast, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're custom built. You know, the, the title speed is the new black. So if it's not going to go fast, it's not going to be on the show. Right, right. So did you connect with private car owners or some of the car clubs around town? No, it's Noah Alexander, the the star of the show, has a booming business here already. It's called Classic Car Studio, and he is doing a lot of builds. Matter of fact, it's one of the the biggest garages I've seen in the entire country. So he's a very well established guy, even though he's a very young guy. He's he's got a, a super hot business already. So he already had a client base and customers coming to him. So it was actually a pretty easy show to get off the ground. Yeah, and, and was this your idea? Oh, it, was, it was our, you know, a, a group of us typically come up with all of our ideas. We'd known Noah for a long time. We're, we're kind of motorheads at heart, several of us at No Coast. So we'd known Noah. He'd worked on our cars. Um, and for whatever reason, we hadn't thought to put a show together with him until relatively recently, even though we've, you know, we've had other shows on air in the automotive space. And we just started kicking it around and... Uh, you know, one thing led to another, and we got an offer, I guess, about a year ago from Velocity, and we've been kind of going through the—there's a lot to get a show off the ground from the moment that you get the offer. So, like I said, we're in production. We're about halfway through, and uh should be a great show. Can you tell us some of the details of how to get it off the ground, I mean, without divulging anything that— is proprietary, but it, I think that would be interesting to listeners is to understand, like, what happens after you sign that contract? Yeah, so— let me back up a step because the process for getting a show off the ground is first, and this is actually something I did want to talk about today, was an idea that I fully embrace, which is failing. You have to mm-hmm. fail a lot to get a show off the ground. Mm-hmm. We've developed 60, 70 shows or tried to. Mm-hmm. That's no bullshit. That's going out, meeting characters, figuring out storylines, flying around the country, Anywhere from being with a motorcycle gang in mid-Missouri to being on a a $5 million yacht in the Caribbean, sort of finding characters and casting those characters and creating what we call sizzle reels, which are really, uh, they're like trailers for Mm -hmm. docu-series and reality series. At that point, once we've got that sizzle in the can, we then pitch it to networks. And hopefully you get some interest from a network Typically, once you get interest from a network, they've got a lot of changes, just like a client in advertising. Mm-hmm. It's never good enough the first time around, right? right? right. They, 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 they see uh, an infinite amount of opportunity to change it. Uh, and, and they're changing the characters, plots, sizzle, whatever, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it, and honestly, a lot of times you don't really quite know why, yeah. but they're, they're putting their stamp on it. So you're typically going back and reshooting a bit, re-editing. Uh, And at a certain point, a network says yes or no. They might take it to a pilot. They might take it to something that's like a pre-pilot, or they might just green light a series. All of those series uh, scenarios have happened for us. And uh, at that point, No Coast is not a pure production company. We don't actually produce shows. We develop and serve as executive producers. Uh, We then turn the show over to a production company. So we've on the show, I'm uh, Speed is the New Black. We're actually partner with Asylum Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. They're a big partner of ours on many things we're working on right now. Uh, we've also partnered with Cool Fire in the past. We've got some other production partners on the West Coast that we're working with. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of whatever production company really fits the need of the show. Yeah. And the investment up to the point where... Uh, That's all our cost. Yeah. So there's a... 
there's a lot of manpower, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of hours, sweat equity, uh, but it's also really fascinating. Um, that's actually, I, I love the development part because that's where you're really getting to be a fly on the wall of really a diverse array of characters. And that relationship is typically uh, accelerated because, you know, you've got cameras there, you're there for three days, you've got to get to know them, you've got to get, pull a story out. And it, it's, it's pretty fascinating to just to see the swath of America that most people don't get mm -hmm. to see. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's funny. I think throughout your career, you've met lots of interesting people uh, and, and always had this eye for, I remember when you worked on Von Dutch very early on that brand and the guy who created that. And then your experience with Richard, who we can talk about, Richard Rollins, who uh, that thing obviously has gone and become just this famous thing. But at, at some point, when, when did you, as a creative, you're doing advertising and you started seeing these characters or started seeing that this was a place you wanted to go explore, you know? With you mean specifically television? Yeah, just television, where you wanted to you tell the stories of these people's lives or uh, just yeah, looking at things and saying, this is it. I don't think it was it. quite as thought out as that. You yeah. know, I'd always dabbled in making shitty small films. And matter of fact, I yeah. made one with you, yeah. which was really shitty. It was, it was shitty. Uh, Collaborative shittiness, it yeah. sounds yeah. like. Yeah. But we tried. It was, you know. We did. And I'd done a lot of yeah. those. And, and then <laughs> we started producing a lot of content for brands and shooting more and more. And um, I just kind of had a notion around wanting to produce uh, an automotive show that was a little younger, a little hipper, a little more reverent, uh, you know, a little mm -hmm. faster and louder. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Richard just subsequently was into a clothing brand that we had at the time called yeah. Trim, which was an automotive-inspired uh, clothing line that myself and Charlie Smith had started and actually you came on yep. and were, were a partner in that business. And uh, we'd had some success with the brand. Richard saw it, was wearing it, uh, expressed interest in kind of doing something with the, with, the, with the line, with the trim line. And we just started talking on the phone and pretty quickly uh, decided, let's try to make a TV show. It was really like two phone calls and we were, yeah, let's make a TV show. We didn't, none of us had made a TV show, right. but uh that was kind of the impetus for getting off the ground. We went and shot a, a sizzle. It yeah. was kind of an unprofessional sizzle because we'd never done it yeah. before. We ended up partnering with Cool Fire on that show and then uh, Pilgrim in Los Angeles to ultimately get it sold. But, you know, at this point, that show, Fast and Loud, is one of the biggest shows on Discovery. It's on in 150-plus countries. It spawned all types of brands, restaurants, bars, clothing lines. I mean, a tequila. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty interesting to see where a conversation and a chance can take you. Yeah. Well, and it's, that was your first one to, to, that you developed as a television show. Yeah, and we've been chasing that ever since because to get a hit like that is <laughs> yeah, that's a massive. I mean, a massive. Hit. Well, we, and we'll let's go back because I want to talk just sort of start because uh, John, you have such a interesting story. So I don't know when I met you, but you had served in the Navy, right? You get mm -hmm. out of the Navy, you and you're in the Navy, but you're also a painter and an artist. And I think when I very first met you, were still doing a lot of that. Correct. Yeah. So when I got out of the Navy. Uh, I, I, I'd been on a carrier. I'd served uh, during the Gulf War. Served our country. Served our country. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was a pretty difficult situation being in the Navy, being on a boat, living on a boat, living on the ocean. Uh, it was pretty confining, as you might imagine. Yeah. Uh, but it also 
kind of in a weird way because it was a miserable situation. I will say that. Do not join the Navy, kids. Um, <laughs> and, and I didn't know you actually lived on the water. You know, being a boy from Midwest, I, I didn't know shit about the Navy. Yeah. Um, it just, I saw a poster and You're went like, in and joined. That sounds was, good. There was water in that poster though, right? Like... No, I think the boat was in dock at the Got time. Got it. Okay. okay. Like, we're just going to be by the shore. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beach. Lots of beach. So got out, um, w- was hanging out with a lot of sort of interesting, very artsy types. I didn't have a real agenda or drive or vision. I was going to school and um, got a degree in English and creative writing and didn't necessarily have a plan. I was also painting a lot. Yeah. Partnered with some guys and formed a studio called Second Bedroom. And yep. we started doing a lot of artwork uh, commercially. Okay. We, our, our personal stuff wasn't selling at all. But commercially, we were selling to hospitals and restaurants and uh, bars and, you know, selling quite a bit of work. Yeah. Doing like big, just installation. Big prints, murals. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, just sort of custom work based on the needs of the client. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had an idea to launch a ad campaign again we'd never done an ad campaign but we randomly decided let's create this ad campaign for we said it was for Budweiser Mm -hmm. and it was called CD Motel and we went out on Route 66 stayed in a bunch of motels drank beer partied and filmed the whole thing and wrote copy around it and created this story and sort of narrative around it immersed yourself yeah immersed ourselves exactly and then pitched it to AB Uh, they were intrigued didn't buy it and you know, that kind of leads me to how I got to Zipatoni yeah. and you and Jack Thorwegan is I shared that same piece of creative or all these creative pieces that we developed. And Zipatoni ended up buying it mm-hmm. uh, for their client Miller Genuine Draft at the time. Yeah. And I, I think you, I think the check that was written to me was for $2,500. Right. And I remember at the time we were like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And so we started doing a lot of work. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that meeting. So this is where John and I met. He okay. came in with his these what, guys. What year in white. was this roughly? Just like does this predate like something like real that. world stuff? Yeah. Probably. Like right around the time that the real world was yeah. coming yeah. out. You know, trying I bet to think it was. about like uh, that era maybe. Yeah. Ninety six, ninety seven. Okay. Yeah, right in there. That's so funny. I just remember being in that meeting, and you guys were. Uh, Crazy looking guys in white t-shirts and and bad attitudes walking in to this uh, creative team and pitching this idea and all the creatives in the room didn't kind of panned it because it was amazing, but no one wanted to admit it was. Mm. But I remember I was the account person at the time and I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah, you were a huge advocate. Yeah, I, I just remember thinking like, this is really, really, really good. So you were trying to just sell the idea to the agency. Yeah. I didn't even know anything about agency world or yeah. the process. We just... When we couldn't sell it to AB, and I think we'd taken it to some AB agencies too. Yeah. Somehow I heard about Zipatoni and the fact that they had Miller Brewing. I didn't know the difference yeah. between a pr- promotion company and an advertising company, and yeah. et cetera. So, but but the uh, thing that I love, there were so many good things about that. You know, when you do beer promotions, you have this stuff called drop and run kits, and they want you to have little things you can just set on tables and leave. And there's for this CD Motel idea where the uh, ice buckets and the little shampoos oh, that yeah. you get at CD Motels that oh, you could just go awesome. and just literally decorate the place. Uh, so it was just re- like really creative. So they bought your idea, then yeah. the, then did they buy you as a creative to join yeah, the team? I, I can't well, remember how that worked. Yeah, we we developed. We wanted to stay independent, uh, you know, because we were, I guess, kind of. Uh, a bit arrogant, and also we we had second bedroom going, and we wanted to see where that was going to take us. Uh, but we kept working with Zip, 
And ultimately, I went to Zipatoni maybe a year after that full-time as a copywriter. Again, no experience in advertising, and it took me a long time to kind of acclimate myself to that world and understand that world. Um, but ultimately, I really got into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and rose the ranks, became the executive creative director there. Yeah. yeah. I know, right? Yeah, success story. Yeah, yeah with- so I spent 10 years at Zipatoni, yeah. 10 good years. Yeah. Um, Learned a lot. What what you know the 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 most valuable thing about Zip and really I think the only type of place I'd be willing to work at is there was a lot of freedom to explore and try things and not do things by the book and there there was um, just a lot of outside of sort of typical ad marketing creativity going on that ultimately benefited clients. You know, and, and that, that's really what I kind of bought into there. Yeah. Well, at one point I had left or I had gotten fired and we started a little side project called Idea Mob and you stayed at Zip the whole time, but we still were doing this thing on the side. Yeah. That's so right. we had that agency going. Um, is that where, is that when you described like failing, right? Like yeah. that that's part of the process. Is that where you learned about that or was that after? I don't know if I, I don't think it's a specific moment. I, I think it's just... You know, they're, they're sort of marketing creatives and marketing people in advertising who, who like have, they're, they're very professional about it and buttoned up about it. And then there are people, and I would argue probably people that are more successful in advertising and marketing, and maybe that's wrong, but there, there's at least a different type that are just sort of interested in a lot of things and connecting the dots between the things they're interested in and a brand that can pay for it Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing something that's culturally relevant for that brand, sort of a collaboration that just works, you know? So I've never worked on a brand that I, I, for the most part, that I'm not into. I just don't want to do that. I don't know why I would. I'm not that interested in promoting brands. I'm interested in brands that want to do interesting things with other people. And that typically, I believe, benefits the brand Mm -hmm. in the right way, you know, in the authentic way. Um, And I've just kind of done that. And if you sort of know that's what you do, people don't come to you with the shit you don't want to do. And I've never had to do that sort of thing. That's awesome. And it's funny that it feels like a very artist's view on finding a patron for great work. Yeah. In some ways. And, and the modern patron is brands. I mean, yeah. that, and they're becoming more and more of that. super interesting. Right. And, right. and I, I can't tell you the amount of times I've been amazed sitting at an event, uh, you know, that we've created where Kid Cudi's playing, where Macklemore is playing, and we've got the whole place tricked out, mm-hmm. and it, it's just going off, and you're, you're going, holy shit, yeah. you know, we helped create, this is happening right now in this moment because we helped create it, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and thought of it, and it all came to life in some manner or another. Yeah, that's awesome. What you described a minute ago about um, doing work and attracting uh, certain brands that you wanted that you wanted to work for, I worked for photographers for years and, and uh, worked for two uh, two at the same time. One was wildly successful and he had, he went to where the market was. He said, okay, I'm going to go find a niche and I'm going to fill it. The other photographer who was not wildly successful um, said, I'm going to shoot the way I want to shoot and I'm going to um, create a certain style and then I'm going to wait for clients to come to me um, and if they don't come, then I guess I'm not meant to be a photographer. And that's what happened. But I always saw him as more of the artist mm-hmm. than the other guy um, who was terribly successful and I think learned to become more of an artist over time, which I think is very rare. 
right? I think it's, I think you're kind of born with it or you're not potentially. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, you you still, it's, it's still being smart about connecting it all. And, you know, I think I've always wanted to work with great brands and been fortunate to work with a ton of spirit brands and PlayStation and fashion brands. And, 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 and it's been, it's been, I think, because when, when you're personally interested in music and art and literature and fashion in all these sort of cultural touch points, it's easy when you're in a room with a brand that wants to have a relevancy to just almost spontaneously go, oh, it'd be interesting to partner with this or to sponsor this or to create something in this vein. And, you know, I, I, I think it's just it makes for smart marketing in the end, you know, and then what, what it's, so it's funny cause you, and I've known you for a long time and I always feel, I think, you know, when you got it, you've got this thing and you're very confident, like we've got this, you see it. And I feel the same way a lot of times. And it flies in the face of, uh, research and all the things that a brand, you know, they bring all this stuff in here. And then there's just this real, I'm interested in this and you know you got it. You know what I'm saying? I do. I think things are over-researched, yeah. over-tested, you know, um, over-strategized. And quite frank, some of that's necessary and I sure. get it. And, you know, I, I've heard the same insights about millennials and Gen Xers and boomers ad nauseum. We yeah. get it. We know who they are. <laughs> right. I get it. They like music. They like to go out. You know, it's it's like you've heard it. Yeah. And and. What a breakthrough. Young people like to go out, right? Right. Yeah. 62%. Right. Like to go. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's too much of that. I yeah. tend to think there's a, a sort of come from the gut that's more powerful and you research yourself in the same place that every other brand is headed or every other agency is headed, mm-hmm. you know. But I think the, your approach is I'm going to go find stuff that you're interested in, really cool stuff and package it up. And that's the, what I feel like you've been really successful at. You know, we just, we, we did this program last year for New Amsterdam Vodka and they had this campaign, It's Your Town, mm-hmm. which was like this hyper-localized campaign where they wanted to sort of celebrate what was going on in s- specific cities. Yeah. And we uh, had friendships with some street artists around the, around the country and ultimately brought really great street artists from eight different cities who and, sort and of embodied kind of their cities. And, through the whatever. Yeah, just through Met the grapevine. Yeah. I knew Pete Walliger here. And, you know, we, we had, um, it's it, it sort of, it, I, I guess to your point, you know, mm-hmm. we, we sort of could see that, that the, this connection could be made and yeah. make a lot of sense for the brand. It was amazing. We went out, we did a docu-series with the artists in their cities. They created a bunch of great artifacts on behalf of the brand. We did events uh, with New Amsterdam Vodka and the street artists where we showcased all the work that they'd done. And it's just like a really natural, organic connection mm-hmm. that sort of happened seamlessly yeah. and was very effective for the brand yeah. too. And this, this is the ultimate branded content. So it's almost as if you were in you were in this advertising branded space, got into this television development space, and now are bringing a lot of these characters back into the brand space. Yeah. So our you know because every agency needs a tagline right now. Yeah. We say we build audiences, and really what No Coast is doing is focused on character driven content. Mm-hmm. So we're finding, and our version of characters means anybody that's got an authentic voice in the marketplace and is doing something interesting, and we're connecting that voice, that authentic character with a brand and then sort of nuancing the brand with that character, tell, right. enriching the story of the brand, mm-hmm. weaving the two, the character and brand together mm-hmm. 
creating content around that, creating events around that, creating promotions around that, experiences around that, uh, point of sale around that. So really driving that all together. That's cool. Okay, we have a question from our sponsor. Um, So our sponsor today is Creative Circle. They're a creative staffing agency playing matchmaker with top brands and creative talent. Many Creative Circle account executives and recruiters come from the creative industry so they know firsthand what it's like to be looking for work and looking to hire. So this Creative Circle question, John, what's the most effective way to distribute original content? Uh, Would you rather have a television show or would you rather have a digital series um, between the two right now? Well, that, that's, you know, that's the question everyone is still figuring out, and there isn't a right answer. And did you say branded content? Yeah, branded content. So, Or just the way that, that you, yeah, ideally how that would work these days. I mean... Because it's rapidly changing. I, just since you guys have been in the business, it seems the cable industry has certainly lost viewers because everyone's cutting the cord. And, this and there's is, so many networks and, and there's so many so, channels. Yep. I don't know if I'd rather have one or the other. It's, yeah. you know, you can do something very effectively that's not on network. Digital distribution obviously mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, but you need a hefty media buy behind it. Right. You need promotion behind it. You need to push it. If you put the content out there, unless you get really lucky without some sort of, and a lot of money really pushing it, it, it can be tricky. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's lots of, and there's going to be more opportunity to work with cable networks specifically to create, you know, branded content's kind of a weird word, but content that tells a great story and has a, a, has a brand involved in it in the right way. Right. You know, brands should be as interesting as people. And if they behave that way, they they, they can be involved in any type of content or any type of promotion that they want to, you know, if they're not doing something interesting, nobody wants to watch anyway, whether it's digital or it's, it's on cable. Yeah. It's funny. I think a lot of brands hear branded content and take a picture of their bottle or drink and post it on Facebook. And it's just over and over again. Here's our latest, whatever it is. But I think what, what you guys do is dimensionalize the brand by bringing them just characters and plot lines and storytelling that brands need. And, and it's, it's basically bringing a lifestyle ad in the old days to life. Right. I mean, it's literally. Yeah, and, with, and I think a lot of brands are, I mean, there's a lot of brands that are super well. smart about it. Yeah. Too. yeah. And Who, who's it, doing it really well? Like when you look at, besides stuff you work on, when you look around the, the thing, do you look at brands and say, well, they've got it. Yeah. I think Yeti Cooler as an example yeah. is um, Vans, uh, you know, Levi's. I mean, there, there's a lot mm. of brands doing great stuff that I wish I was a part of, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Uh, it's just really dialing into telling a great story and figuring out how your brand's a part of that story and where it fits in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it should be fitting in in some spot or you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, John, your company's name is No Coast. Yes. Um, It sounds like you're committed to the Midwest for a period of time. Yeah, we're. well, I've been here for a long time. Uh, And, and, you know, the the name was a very conscious decision to, and I think we launched the brand six years ago, and it was a very conscious decision to sort of, be out loud and proud about being from the Midwest, but also about having this sort of Midwestern sensibility, Midwestern values, uh, a sense of authenticity to what we do. And, you know, that's played really well for us on the coasts. Uh, we have agents on the coasts. We've worked with lots of networks on the coast, lots of brands on the, clo- on the coasts. And, you know, I think they respect that thought. And, Let's be honest, a lot of, you know, the, most brands, uh, uh, consumers are, 
you know, or many of them are in the heartland. And that's sort of, you know, our focus and telling those types of stories, whether that's for a television network or that's doing something for a brand, we want it to have a sense of honesty and authenticity to it. Do you think it would be harder to do what you do if you were on one of the coasts? Like, do you think there's less competition to do what you do here? Yeah, well, there's definitely less competition, but there's competition everywhere. I mean, we compete, whether it's in advertising and marketing or whether it's competing for a television show, we're competing with everybody. You know, yeah. it's it, it's a point of difference. It, it, it doesn't get the job done for us. We got to do that on our own. Um, I, let's talk a little about the spirit brands that you guys are involved in. I'd love to hear at some point you guys brought this to life, brought these brands to life. You had a show called Hatfields and McCoys and it, it now exists as a whiskey, correct? Yeah. The, the, and the, you, did you guys drive this? Like this was your idea or like, we are going to make a whiskey out of this. Actually, it was a show, Cool Fire Originals here in St. Louis was yeah. producing. We came on to help them out with the uh, the, the spirit part of oh, gotcha. that show. Gotcha. So the, just quickly, the premise of the mm-hmm. Hatfield and McCoy show was to take the Hatfields and McCoys legal for the first time in history and have them make a legal spirit. We had a lot of experience in spirits and yep, marketing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we put a team together and we helped the Hatfields and McCoys, the real families, which is a true ac- story. The actual, actual Hatfields and crazy McCoys. Crazy Hatfields yeah. and McCoys who still live in, you know, West Virginia. Uh, uh, broker a piece. Broker a piece, sort of, and, and create a, <laughs> uh, a whiskey that's on shelf in 43 states today. We're partners in that with uh, uh, Cool Fire. And uh, it's, it's, it's been very successful. And, yeah. you know, it's an interesting story. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a good example of like thought we were making a TV show. Yeah. Actually, what we were making, we were launching a spirit company. Yeah. Which is, and it just kind of shows you the power of a brand. You look at these successful worlds that people can build. And I go back to Margaritaville because it was one of those things that I worked on where it's just this idea and it could be anything. It could be anything. And it seems like Fast and Loud is growing into that. Um, and I know you look at it that way. When you look at this new speed show, have you kind of started to look at that and thought, hmm, these are some interesting places we might explore with this? Yeah, we'll have to see. Not There's not a one-size-fits-all. Not every show is is, do that. is a juggernaut for launching brands. Yeah. Automotive shows are great, especially for apparel. Um, but we'll see. It's in its infancy. It hasn't hit air yet. You know, I, I don't know where that show is going to lead quite yet. Yeah, cool. Um, what was the like best moment of your creative career? Um, you described to me, I think it was Band of Buds. Yeah, there was one night I remember when it was over, the first year we did it after it was all done, and we were in this limo celebrating. And I just remember that moment stuck with me as like, it's probably not going to get much better than this as far as being in an advertising agency as a creative. Yeah. For sure. I wonder if... Have you had your moment? Yeah, yet, where you John? just thought... I'm sure you've had a few of those. I'm pretty cynical. I almost <laughs> as soon as I'm something happens, I'm bored with it or over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, no, no, I've appreciated many moments, but yeah. I, I always feel like I'm kind of looking for the next thing while I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing right now. Uh, I'm, I, I don't stick to something for too long. I'm, I'm, I'm a developer and a move on. And so, you know, I've got things I want to accomplish in the future, but, um, I don't know. Not a stop and smell the roses kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Out of all the things you've been in, if there was one, because it's funny, we're we're sitting here talking, there's lots of hits, there's lots of uh, failures or things that you've, it's funny because uh, we worked on Trim, the clothing line together. You had worked on Von Dutch, 
which was run by what's the guy's name? The designer who then went on to do Ed Hardy. Um, yeah, Ed Hardy and Christian somebody. Christian Adagé. Yeah, Adagé. And but anyway, so you do you do you work on Von Dutch? You decide you want to get into clothing, right? And out of all, all these things, there's this this. Uh, take through is like, we didn't know what we were doing to build a campaign. You didn't know how to do a TV show. You didn't know how to do any clothing line. Von Dutch was yeah. a fascinating experience. Yeah. You know, we, uh, Von Dutch was a, for people who don't know, and most people probably don't because the brand's come and gone by now, but uh, it, it became a massive, massive global juggernaut for a period of time. Yeah. But uh, there was a point in time where it was just a little shop on Melrose in Los Angeles. And I kind of dug the brand, went in, met the owner, Tony Sorensen, and kind of bullshitting him, I said, you know, I think we could blow this brand up. Can I come back in a couple of weeks with some people from Zipatonia and we'll make a presentation? Yeah, yeah. Came back in a couple of weeks and uh, did this presentation and got the business and became creative directors for the brand and did a bunch of cool stuff with it. We, I, I can't take credit for that brand becoming the size it is. It had a lot of things going for it. We were just one attribute. But it was super exciting to sort of, you know, believe in something, try it, and then mm -hmm. it kind of happens. And, you know, those are the cool stories that happen along the way of the 50 things where you get totally shit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, which happens a lot. Uh, the other interesting thing is the T-shirts we did for Trim. And so Trim was this clothing line. We got into it. We were making jeans and bags and, you know, and we're, we're going into ne Neiman's and Nordstrom's. Like, it could have gone, and then 2008 happens. The economy mm -hmm. tanks right at this moment in time where we're trying to sell this premium clothing line into premium retailers and the whole thing We just lost our up. Saks order, and that was kind of the end yeah, of that. Yeah, we had a Saks order, yes. Damn. But you, you put your heart and soul into this thing. But it's funny. Because and Charlie Smith. Charlie yeah. Smith was really the founder of that brand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he had kind of an early iteration of Trim, and then uh, Charlie and I partnered on it and uh, kind of reinvented it and put a bunch of our own money into it. And I mean a bunch. Uh, <laughs> which, oh, a lot. Painful. Painful. But having said all that, and this is the point, Richard Rollins came out of that fast and loud, ultimately. Yep. The Speed is the New Black is the, was the T-shirt we had for Trim. Yep. Right? Just there's a lot of thinking, a lot of learning, a lot of... Uh, ideas and things that ultimately get repurposed and reused. And that's what I love about creative stuff is uh, you, that CD Motel idea lives on. There's just ideas that have that I have and you have that just kind of are out there. They're just great ideas. And uh, the value of creating those, even if you fail at that moment with that thing, mm -hmm. it can circle back and find its way and become this, you know, a whole new thing in a whole new way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's 100% true. Yeah. What's the difference or what's the hook um, in Speed is the New Black versus Fast and Loud and some of the other shows that are out there? Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about the show, but okay. uh, it, 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 the, the hook is is really that it's it's custom vehicles. It's a unique group of characters and there's a heavy driving component in the show. That's not typical. Usually the reveal for a show is... Uh, customer comes and picks it up in a garage. We've got gotcha. a, a pretty dynamic way that we're going to showcase vehicles. Okay. That's cool. Um, who are you into these days? Just uh, music, arts? Who are you stealing from? Anyone? Um, who, have you been seeing anything cool that's just blowing you away or anything? Interesting you blogs? You told me you were going to ask that question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I know. Well, you, yeah, John always introduces me to uh, really, really amazing stuff. Uh, the whole ACL world uh, continuously in that whole place. Uh, you guys have done a show... 
with uh, Matthew Heratic, who was a blogger and kind of has this, which was really cool, and just a taste-making show. So, yeah, yeah. We, we had a show on Esquire Network with Matt, Matt Heranic. Heranic, yes. Who was a, uh, yeah, at the time, just kind of a, 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 blogger. a, a men's blogger. Yeah. But he had a really interesting sensibility about him. He was also shooting for, I think, Vanity Fair and travel at the time, mm-hmm. and GQ, he's a photographer. Called him up out of the blue and and said like to make a show with you and you know ultimately we sold that show it was a men's lifestyle travel show on Esquire Network mm-hmm. Cool Fire partnered with us on that mm-hmm. uh, the show I think we did six or eight episodes uh, but since then I've gone on to do some other things with Matt so Matt and I partnered with Carnivore Wine on this project and uh, we went out and met with makers doers and entrepreneurs around the country created content with them Matt was sort of the host of this content series. And we hooked up with GQ Menswear Brand of the Year, The Hillside. Uh, we hooked up with Weiss Watch in Los Angeles, kind of told their story and then wove the carnivore uh, wine into that. So like Weiss Watch did a colorway on their on their on the face of their watch, which was the color of the wine. That's the cool. Hillside guys did some unique dyeing with the wine in their pocket squares. Oh, super so, cool. So, yeah, a TV show in this case led to branded content and a brand experience down the road. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, mixing all these things together, that's good. All right, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about Anthony, your son. He's now working with you, for you. What's that like? Yeah. Is that I, just cool? I haven't fired him yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's uh, he is the backbone of our editing department. He edits, he shoots, he helps come up with storylines. He develops shows completely on his own. Um, he's kind of a one man band, um, and you know, a huge asset at no coast. And, you know, I was reluctant to hire him because there's always that weird thing, you know, but, uh, it's, 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 it's been amazing. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what we do without him at this point. Yeah. That's cool. He's, and yes, he has the band, his, every band he has, has death in the title. Yes. So, you know, yeah. he's got a death fixation. He does, but he's not a death kind of guy. He's, no, it's uh, weird. It is weird. Flaming death trap. Now he's in the death. Yeah. He's in the death. They're playing this Friday, which you, if you're listening yeah, to this podcast, great band. It, yeah, great band. I know. I can't wait. I'm going to go to the show. And, but, and also he plays the theme song. That's to, what I was just going to say. Uh, you hear him every week on the Creative Stick Up podcast. Cause that is his song. Where's he playing? That's cool. Off Broadway. But we won't know that because this podcast will play way after that show. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, then never mind. So never yeah. mind. You'll have missed it. But look never for it. Never mind. I wanted to ask a question about uh, diversity in the industry that that you've now sort of moved into or evolved into. Um, are there a lot of women in that industry? Are there a lot of minorities? In television? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, I'm I'm no expert. I mean, we're, we're a small agency in the Midwest mm-hmm. uh, from a television production standpoint, but we're partnered, uh, with Asylum Entertainment and they, they, they've got a, uh, hundreds of people that work for them. And yeah, I'd say it's very diverse. I mean, the, the, the networks are looking for diversity and typically you need a diverse array of talent to go find, you know, those stories and characters. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my two cents. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have women on your team at no coast? Yeah. My two of my three partners are women. So uh, they're actually the senior partners that founded the company, Jen Novak and Donna Meyer. Cool. And Brad Karsten is the other partner, and he's definitely a dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's overdated. Yeah, he's a foul mouth. <laughs> yeah, a lot of testosterone. Vulgar, brilliant, funny, crazy. Yeah. What else? All <laughs> I mean, kinds of yeah. yeah. Scottish. Yeah. 
Oh, Angry perfect. Scott. He's got a few problems. Yeah. yeah sounds but like a nice mix. That's what he, you need. He's a great uh, uh, partner from a collaborative standpoint. And actually, you know, we haven't talked about this, but I think that's been something that's been really key to me my whole career is the right collaborations. There's nothing I hate more than going to a, an all-agency gangbang brainstorm where we do nothing and throw out a bunch of shit and write it on pads of paper. Mm-hmm. But having a key partner, at least for me, that you're completely at ease with, uh, but also can say no to and argue with and fight with and uh, make each other better genuinely and have a respect for one another. You know, I don't know, my entire career, I've sort of had that that wingman, mm-hmm. that, that, that counterpoint to myself, and uh, that's been immensely helpful. And when I don't have it, I suffer for it. I, I couldn't agree more. You need, you, and it's usually just one person. You don't need a bunch. Yeah. You need one person to yeah. create with. Yeah, and... When you have that, and I don't know what that is. It's just, it's a total trust, and you're going to make each other's work better. Yeah, Brad is like that. That's awesome. It was his birthday yesterday, Brad's. So, but yesterday birthday. doesn't mean anything. Oh, that's because it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> All right. Is anything? Did we miss anything, John? Anything you wanted to say, speak about? I don't think so. All right. Keep doing what you're doing, man. That was good. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah thank you. All right. Whether you're looking for more work as a creative or you're looking for an easy way to hire freelancers, remember to check out Creative Circle. They post jobs and resources daily on Twitter and LinkedIn at creative underscore circle. Or you can register as a candidate or request talent on their website. Learn more and live creative at creativecircle.com. 